Welcome to Stories of Runeterra. My name is Ravenhood, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Runeterra by Riot Games. The League of Legends community, and the Runeterra community, and the Wild Rift, and the pick-your-version-of-what-Riot-has-produced has crafted an incredible universe filled with champions and characters of tremendous persona and lavish acumen, and others that are... okay. Each week, we jump into the Riot Games universe on the League of Legends website and narrate something from the world of Runeterra. This week's stories are of Ramus, the armored, armored, armadillo. Alright, let's get rolling on Ramis, the armadillo. <laughs> Idolized by many, dismissed by some, mystifying to all, the curious being Ramis is an enigma. Protected by a spiked shell, Ramis inspires increasingly disparate theories on his origin wherever he goes, from demigod to sacred oracle to a mere beast transformed by magic. Whatever the truth may be, Ramus keeps his own counsel and stops for no one as he roams the desert. Now, some believe Ramus is an ascended being, an ancient god amongst men who rolls to Shuriman's aid as an armored guardian at its times of need. Superstitious folks swear he's a harbinger of change, appearing when the land is on the verge of a great shift in power. Others speculate he's the last of a dying species that roamed the land before the Rune Wars sundered the desert with uncontrolled magic. With so many rumors of great power, magic, and mystery surrounding him, Ramus compels many Shuriemans to seek his wisdom. Soothsayers, priests, and deranged lunatics alike claim to know where Ramus dwells, but the armor Dillo has proved elusive. Despite this, proof of his presence predates living memory, with crumbling mosaics depicting his image on the most ancient walls of Shuriman ruins, his likeness adorns colossal stone monuments made in the early days of ascension, leading some to believe that he's no less than an immortal demigod. The skeptics often point to a simpler explanation that Ramus is just one of many such creatures. It is said that he appears only to worthy pilgrims in great need of his aid, and those blessed by his presence experience great turning points. After the armadillo rescued the heir to a vast kingdom from a terrible fire, the man renounced his position to become a goat farmer. <laughs> An elderly mason was inspired by a profound yet brief conversation with Ramus, some said that it was ochre, and constructed an enormous marketplace which became the bustling heart of Nasharamane. I may have ad-libbed some stuff just because I do that. Knowing Ramus's guidance can pave an enlightened path. Devout believers perform elaborate rituals designed to attract the favor of their deity. Disciples of the cult devoted to Ramus demonstrate their unwavering faith in a yearly ceremony by imitating his famous role in somersaulting through the city in droves. Every year, thousands of Shuriemans trek through the most treacherous and remote corners of the desert on a quest to find Ramus. For many teachings indicate he will answer a single question of those he finds deserving— if they're able to find him. 
Knowing his enthusiasm for desert treats, the pilgrims armed themselves with offerings thought to attract his blessing, packing their mules with flasks of sweet goat's milk. Mmm, goat's milk, this is a great idea. Chests filled with colonies of ants sealed in wax, not a great idea. And jars of honeycombs. I don't have any more Brahm references. Many never returned from the deep desert, and fewer still with stories of the demigod, though travelers describe waking to find their packs mysteriously emptied of all edible provisions. Whether he's truly a wise oracle, ascended deity, or a mighty beast, Ramus is known for his miraculous feats of endurance. He entered the impenetrable fortress of Siram, an imposing bastion designed by a crazed sorcerer, the structure was said to contain untold magical horrors, fearsome beasts mutated beyond recognition, corridors wreathed in flame, impenetrable tunnels guarded by shadow demons, and not an hour had passed when the enormous fortress collapsed in a plume of dust and Ramus was seen rolling away. None knew why Ramus entered the darkened gate, nor what secrets he learned within the basalt walls of the fortress. And in the year of the Great Flood, he crossed the vast lake of Imali, in just two days, and dug many miles deep to destroy a giant anthill and kill its queen, whose daughters had devastated the nearby farmland. Uh, however, he appears as a benevolent hero at times, and when invading Noxian war bands attacked a northern Shuriman settlement, disparate tribes banded together to defend the territory beneath the Temple of the Ascended. They were no match for the invaders in size or skill, and the battle was all but lost when Ramus entered the fray. Each side was so shocked to see the elusive creature that fighting halted completely as they watched him roll between them. As Ramus passed the towering temple, the foundations of the building shook, and enormous stone blocks toppled onto the invading army, crushing many of its warriors. Now outnumbered, the army retreated to elated cheers from the Shuremans. While many swear Ramus saved the town out of love for Shurima, Others argue he was merely defending the territory in which his favorite cactus flowers grew. And at least one tribesman claims Ramus was simply sleep rolling and had no intention of taking down a temple. <laughs> Whatever the truth, stories of Ramus are treasured by the people of Shurima. Any Shuriman child can list a dozen theories on the question of his origin, half of which they likely invented on the spot, and tales of the armadillo have only increased with the rise of ancient Shurima as they did just before its fall, giving way to a belief that his presence heralds darker times to come. Huh. But how can such a benevolent, epicurean soul herald such an age of destruction? All right. I had a little bit of fun ad-libbing during this little section, just saying, just saying. But on a serious note... I actually really like this, the way they've written this bit of lore for Ramus. You guys will find as the weeks roll on, I'll try and refrain from any more, uh, any more puns, um, that I absolutely love mythology. And one of my favorite things to do is to understand how stories that we tell each other, I'm a huge D&D tabletop RPG fan and that's just basically a giant collaborative story with friends and I enjoy ain't like mythology I enjoy 
folklore and all that kind of stuff and the way that it impacts us as people in our day-to-day lives, I think is really important because even if someone's not super into fictional literature or any of that kind of stuff, we're all shaped by some kind of folklore or myth. And myth that I mean here is in the like academic sense of like an origin story, not that something is untrue. So not like it's such and such religion or story is a myth in that it is untrue more that such and such religion or story is a myth, which means that it's not, it, it contains truth and it is a, it is a, a medium through which we can communicate things that are much more complicated than we could do through like an ep- a, a empirical just study and scientific dissertation um, or just something that captures the wider scope of what history is. So we can do like a documentarian style history, which is not what this story of Ramus is. It's not saying Ramus came from here and he did this. This is the story of the people of Sharima around Ramus. And this is what so many of our stories are like. This is the, this is the way that we're seeing the world and we're trying to put words to stuff that we don't understand. And so sometimes the best way for us to do that is to, to like tap into the emotions that you have felt or that others have felt around a story and tell a story in such a way that it captures the imagination of an individual. So enough with this silly philosophy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, right, let's jump into the short story for this week. I'm looking to figure out how to tag some of the authors of these when they're featured in the story. So if any of you find a way to discover a way that I can tag these folks on Instagram or Twitter, I would really appreciate it because I would love for them to give me feedback or uh, appreciate the, uh, the little renditions of their stories that I'm doing. So anyway. This week's story for Ramus, now that I'm done philosophizing and the like, is called Caravan North, and it is written by Rayla Hyde, who just published some other short stories on the Riot Games universe. Anyway, Caravan North by Rayla Hyde. Hopefully I said that right. Ocean's knife whittled the edge of the iron wood into a soft curve. As an eight-year-old, he wasn't the most practiced craftsman. His wood block was just starting to resemble something round and spiky. His sister, Zyamna, leaned down from her bunk and grimaced. What's that? Rokshadung? She said. No one will want to buy that. It's not Doug. It's a great and fearsome god with his armor and everything, and it won't be for sale. It's for luck. We're traders, little brother, she said. Everything here is for sale. The caravan clinked and clanged as it rolled over the dunes. Every space from the floor to the ceiling was packed tightly with jars of spices, leaving just enough room for the family's narrow bunks. Something's chasing us from the south, 
Ojan's mother shouted from outside. Ojan heard her whip crack, urging the camels to hurry their pace. Zyamna leaned out the window, staring through her most prized possession, an ornate spyglass. They're Miros! Already the arrows, she said. They must be after your Rokshadung. Ojan replaced her at the window. Sure enough, hundreds of beetles the size of dogs swarmed over the dune behind them. Zyamna returned with a bow and a quiver of colorful arrows. She fired, taking one beetle out, but the mass of insects charged on without pause. How many arrows do we have? Ojan asked. About forty, Zyamna said, looking into the quiver. She frowned. Their mother's voice carried out from the front. We'll have to outrun them. Hold on. Whips cracked once more, and the caravan jolted forward, knocking Ojan onto the floor. Zyamna loosed another arrow into the swarm, spearing two at once. The creatures fell, but plenty more took their place. Oil! In the left cabinet! Their mother shouted. Ojan ducked away and returned with a flask of lamp oil and a wad of rags. He doused a piece of cloth before wrapping it around the tip of an arrow. He lit the bundle of fire and carefully handed it to Zyumna, who blasted the flaming shot into the cluster of beetles. They burst into flames, screeching as they burned. Ojan grinned. Together they bombarded the horde with flaming arrows, firing as fast as Ojan could wrap each arrowhead. The air smoked with burning chitin. The caravan accelerated, the gap increased. They were nearly safe. Ojan's stomach dropped. The Kmiros spread glittering wings and rose to the skies as a unified black cloud. Ojan flinched as a heavy thud shook the cabin from above. More followed, and the wood slats groaned under the weight of the oversized insects. Hold on! His mother shouted from the front as she veered them sharply left. Beetles tumbled from the roof, but Ojan heard the discordant scratching from above and knew only more had landed. Pincers broke through the layered beams in the ceiling and an enormous beetle tumbled into the caravan. Zyamna drew her dagger and stabbed it, but her blade was unable to pierce its tough carapace. She pushed Ojan back and waved her blade before her desperately trying to hold it at bay. More Kmiros dropped through the smashed roof, all snapping jaws and clicking pincers. Ojan dove beneath his bunk, desperately kicking the insects as they clawed for him. He prized the round wooden he prized the round wooden figure from his pocket. Please, Rabbis, I pray to you, he whispered. Help us. The caravan jolted as beetles landed on the roof. It pitched back and forth like a ship on a rough sea, and then the world tilted sideways as the caravan overturned, completely skidding in the sand. Ojan shielded his face from the tumbling objects as dust clouded his vision. He was flung against a wall, his ears ringing and head throbbing as the caravan swerved. After a moment of stillness, he felt a hand dug on his arm as his mother dragged him from the rubble, and he squinted into the blinding sunlight. The family huddled in the wreckage of the caravan, coughing <coughs> into the dusty air as the commuter circled. A beetle charged forward, and Ojan's mother stabbed it between its clicking jaws. She skewered another as it scampered to bite her daughter, spilling rank yellow innards across the sand. A third beetle leapt from the top of the caravan and landed behind them. Zyamna screamed as it seized her foot in his pincers. The beetles froze abruptly, halting their attack. They hunkered low to the ground, antennas flexing. In the silence... Ojan heard a distant whirring 
He watched the western horizon as a sand cloud rushed towards them in a fury of dust. The family brandished their weapons in readiness to fight this new threat. A round armored shape exploded from the flurry of sand and smashed into the nearest beetle with terrible force, crushing it into a pulp. The shape barreled on, smashing beetles left and right. Though the insects snapped at the shape with their sharp pincers, it was unstoppable, and in a moment, no living commutos remained. The dust began to settle once more. Jean glimpsed spiked armor jutting from the round shape ahead. Is that... Ziyama said. Rabus! Ojan shouted, and he scrambled down the hill to meet his hero. The creature's shell was intricately patterned with spiral scales, and his claws were sharp as knives. He gnawed slowly on the hairy leg of a beetle, juice dripping from his mouth. Ojan and Ziyama gaped. Their mother approached the armadillo, bowing her head deeply. You saved us, she said. We... We are grateful. Ramus crunched the beetle leg as the family watched. And several minutes passed. He rolled the fallen caravan and rummaged through the debris, emerging with Ojan's wooden carving of the armadillo. The likeness wasn't perfect, but certainly discernible. Th- that's, th- that's you, Ojan said. Please take it. Remus knelt down and bit the wooden figurine in two with a crunch. Hmm. Hmm. He turned and walked a few paces before spitting the pieces into the sand. Jama stifled a laugh. Hmm. Said Remus. He tore a leg from another dead beetle and dragged it through the sand as he rolled away. The family watched him disappear over the horizon. Ojan ran after Ramus to retrieve the broken pieces of the statue. He pocketed them and bowed. For luck, he said. All right, don't flame me. I got Jama's name wrong twice in there. Just was caught up in the storytelling. Well... That's about all I got. Do Ramus this week. I think next week I'm going to pick up one of the more, we'll say, popular, I don't know, bigger name champs. Don't know yet. I'm just trying to intersperse the ones that we record for you guys. So it's not like all the champs everyone wants to hear about at the front end. And then all the rest of the time, we just have all these champs we don't care about or aren't as interested in. But some of these little ones have great little gems like Ramus is here and we get to talk a little about a little bit about mythology and all that jazz. So here's to being silly and uh, I'll think of some really cool catchphrase outro here soon. But until I think of that, may you walk the way. I don't know. Whatever. Buy your thorn mail, you Ramus Mains. Deuces.